Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today. Today. I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this word today. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. And so I step back so the Spirit of God can continue to move in this place. Holy Spirit, minister to our hearts, minister to our minds, minister to our lives. And Father, we thank you because Jesus always confirms his word with signs following. Therefore, we can expect signs, miracles, and wonders to follow our lives. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, today I'm doing a random message from the heart. Everybody say a random message. You may say, well, what's a random message? That means this message is not part of a series, nor is it connected to any previous message I've done. So if you're taking notes today, our message title is Living Life with a Pure Heart. Living Life with a Pure Heart. Now just nudge your neighbor and tell him he's already talking to you. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look in Titus chapter 1 verse 15. Titus 1 15. And then 1 John chapter 3 verse 20. That was Titus chapter 1 verse 15. And then 1 John chapter 3 verse 20. Just like the engine of a car is responsible for making sure that car runs, a person's heart is the core of their thoughts, their attitudes, their beliefs, and their motivations. Uh, the message translation of Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says this. Keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. The New Living Translation says, Proverbs 4.23, like this. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Wow. Your heart determines the course of your life. Look at your neighbor and say, your, your heart determines the course of your life. Amen. And many of us don't understand that our hearts are connected to the very source of our being. And the heart of us is the part of us that God speaks to. And so it's very important for you and I to live a life with a pure heart. And I'm going to walk you through how that happens today. Now, the direction of our lives has its influence from our heart. Therefore, it's critical that our hearts stay pure. So let's look at Titus chapter 1, verse 15, because it's going to serve as our foundational text. If you would, put a marker there, because we're going to come back to it later on today as well. Now, in Titus 1, 15, I'm going to start out in the King James Version, and then I'm going to move over to the New Living Translation. This is what it says. Unto the pure, how many things are pure? Come on, class. Unto the pure, in other words, a person with a pure heart, all things are what? Pure. 
pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving, read it with me, is nothing pure. It goes on to say, but even their mind and their conscience is defiled. Now the New Living Translation is beautiful. Listen to what it says. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. Everything is pure whose hearts are pure. But nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and their consciences are corrupted. Wow. Now the word pure there, I want you to write it down if you're taking notes. It's the word clean or it means clean. And I'm going to show you this this uh, Greek word uh, for the word pure in a minute in another English word. But it means to be clean. Now, this verse means that if my heart is pure, then that's how I will view the motivations and hearts of others. I'm going to say that again. This verse is saying, if my heart is pure, then that's how I'm going to view the motivations, the intentions, and the hearts of others. And most of the time when we are looking or judging or criticizing others, it's not really about what that person has done or has or is doing. It's really about uh, it coming from a heart that's defiled from us. Thank you for that one that's good on the right. Our criticisms, our judgments of people is not really about what they've done. It's because of the condition of our hearts being defiled. Amen. Now, uh, everybody say years ago. Years ago, I had an opportunity. And when I say years ago, I mean I was uh, about 21 years old. I had an opportunity to be prejudiced. Now, let me define prejudice so you can know where I'm coming from because prejudice and races are different, all right? Prejudice refers to a preconceived idea of a particular group, okay? Do y'all understand that? A preconceived idea of a particular group. You know, like all black people like chicken. That's, that's prejudice, right? All right, now races, you say, well, all black people do like chicken, pastor. <laughs> Well, maybe I should have used another example. (laughs) But you all get the point, right? All right. While racism includes an unequal distribution of power on the basis of race. In other words, racism has all to do with not viewing everyone equal. So years ago, say years ago. Years ago, at 21 years old, I had gotten saved at 20. I had an opportunity to be prejudiced. I grew up in a Presbyterian church. And believe it or not, this was back in the 80s. I was Presbyterian and this church was completely mixed. It was half and half. Half black people, half white people, and half, you know, it was a mixed church, which was unusual back in the day. Right? So I have been grown up using or being used to seeing uh, a mixed church. And I even went to a mixed school. Right. So uh, uh, it wasn't a it was a large church back then. Uh, and so uh, my dad used to be uh, one of the deacons and then at one point was on the elders board. So we knew quite a bit of people in the church. 
So I was downtown Dallas one, one day. Uh, I used to have to catch the bus. How many ever rode the bus before? Yeah, and you know, you know, downtown Dallas is an interesting scenario. Back then, you could see some of everything. This particular day, I saw a man with a fishing pole. Why do you have a fishing pole downtown Dallas? What is, I, I mean, it wasn't, he, it wasn't in the package as if he just bought it. He was walking down the street, downtown Dallas with a fishing pole. So I see this lady that went to church with us. Older lady, when I say older, probably in her 70s. And uh, I noticed her, we, I was walking down the sidewalk and I noticed her. And so I walked, I walked up to her and I spoke to her and I could tell I spooked her. She didn't recognize who I was. Now, at that point, I had a decision. I had a decision to prejudge her because she really didn't speak to me. It's like I scared her. I had a choice to be prejudiced, and now the seed of prejudice would have preempted my life, or I had to make a decision. I said to myself, she does not recognize me outside of our normal environment. Hello? And that day, I chose to not be prejudiced. And thank God I did, because had I chose to be prejudiced that day, I could not be married to Pastor Sarah, because we all know she's white. She just don't know it. Right? I know y'all going to tell her. Y'all tweeting right now, Pastor Sarah. He said you white. Well, her, her, little, her little test that she took. What's the test that you know that you take? What is it? That test, yeah. It, it came back that she has the majority of the Anglo-Saxon bloodline in her stream. Okay, let's go to Matthew chapter 27 before I get in trouble. All right? Matthew chapter 27. I want to show you this word pure in a different English word. In Matthew 27, 57, it says, When evening was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea. His name was Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. Watch verse 58. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. Watch verse 59. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a what class? In a what? In a clean linen cloth. That word clean is the same Greek word for the word pure. So the reason I'm going in this direction is because I want you to see that a pure heart is a clean heart. Watch Matthew chapter 23 verse 26. It says... You blind Pharisees, this is Jesus talking. He says, clean first that which is within the cup and the platter, and then that the outside of them might be what? Clean also. That word clean is the same word pure. So why is it important for you and I to maintain a pure heart? Here's point number one if you're taking notes, and that is having a pure heart helps me to see God and discern God better. I'm going to say that again. Having a pure heart helps me to see and discern God better. Matthew chapter 5 verse 8. 
This particular verse is part of what we call the Beatitudes, okay? This, the Beatitudes was like a sermon that Jesus had done. And so verse 8 of Matthew chapter 5 says, Blessed, that word blessed can be translated as happy. Blessed are the what? Pure in heart. There's that word. Blessed are the clean in heart. Read it with me. For they shall what? They shall see God. In other words, when your heart is clear, when your heart is pure, when your heart is clean, you will see and discern God better. And this is the reason why many people never discern properly the voice of God in their hearts because that's how God speaks to you. He speaks to your head. Your head speaks to your heart. When God speaks to your heart, right, if your heart is cluttered, it's going to be difficult to discern His voice. And so he said, blessed are those whose hearts are pure because they're going to see God. So listen, so the purity of my heart is what helps me see God better. My heart's condition, listen to me, doesn't stop God from reaching me, but it can hinder me from discerning Him. I'm going to say that again. My heart's condition, good or bad, pure or not, doesn't stop God from reaching me, but it hinders me from discerning Him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20. It says, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and He knows all things. Watch verse 21. Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence towards God. Let me read this in the Amplified. It says, Whenever our hearts in tormenting self-accusation makes us feel guilty and condemns us, For we are in God's hand. For He is above and greater than our consciences, our hearts. And He knows, God knows, He perceives and understands everything. Nothing is hidden from Him. And beloved, if our consciences, our hearts, do not accuse us, if they do not make us feel guilty and condemn us, we have confidence, complete assurance, and boldness before God. Now listen to the New Living Translation because uh, this is in uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. It says, "For, for us to come boldly to the throne of God, therefore... Or there we will receive His mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. In other words, when your hearts are pure, it's easy to go boldly before God. And most people don't have the boldness to go to God in prayer because their hearts are condemning them. Someone say amen to that. Listen, there is nothing like having a pure heart. Notice now I'm not using the word perfect heart. I'm saying a pure heart. When your heart is pure, the Bible says here that we will have confidence towards God. And this is what you need in life. When you're going through difficult situations, you need to have confidence towards God that regardless of what you're going through, He's going to work it together for your good. He's going to cause things to work out better on your behalf. He's going to put you at the top and not the bottom. And no weapon formed against you shall prosper. When your heart is clear, you can have that confidence. And so that's why you can walk into a den of haters and smile at everybody and shake their hand. Amen. 
It is the condition of our hearts that gives us confidence towards God. And this is why David's prayer, when he got in trouble with Bathsheba by committing adultery, was so powerful. Psalm 51 verse 10, you can write it down. David said this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and then renew a right spirit within me. I believe David prayed that prayer because he knew that a pure heart is what created intimacy with God. Amen. And the Bible even says that David was a man after God's own heart. It wasn't because David lived a perfect life, but it was because, listen, he had the ability to maintain a perfect heart. See, you don't have to have a perfect life, but you can help yourself maintain a perfect heart. Meaning that, and I'll show you here in just a minute, that one of the mechanisms that are things that we must do to keep our hearts right, we got to give it a bath. So just look at your neighbor and say, did you take a bath this morning? Now look at your other neighbor and say, none of your business. The first reason why we need to maintain a clean heart is because it helps us to see and discern God better. Amen? All right, here's the number two. The second reason why we need to maintain a pure heart is because having a pure heart controls my believing and my believing defines my possibilities. I'm going to say that again. The second reason we need to maintain a, 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 a pure heart is because having a pure heart controls my believing and then my believing defines my possibilities. I'm reading now out of the New King James Version of Romans chapter 10 verse 9 because here's the point that I want to make. The purity of your heart is very important because it's going to determine how you believe. And I'm going to show you that your belief is, watch this, it controls the level of God's blessings that you're able to receive. Not what God's able to release because all the blessings of God have already been released. The Bible says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Listen, it's already been released. It's our faith and our ability to believe that we have to now access it with. Well, watch Romans chapter 10 verse 9. It says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord what? Jesus and. Everybody say and. Okay, so let me just throw this at you. Okay, just because people say the name of Jesus, and may even call on the name of Jesus, doesn't mean they're saved. Okay, this is a two-fold process. For you to get born again, he didn't just say, say Jesus. It says you must confess with your mouth and, everybody say and. Here's a second step. Believe where? Come on, class, believe where? Believe where? If you confess with your mouth and then believe In your heart, where do you believe from? Your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Watch verse 10, it confirms it again. For with the heart, one does what? Okay, so listen, you and I believe with our heart. So if my heart is contaminated, my belief will be contaminated. See, there are a lot of Christians mad at God because they didn't get what they asked him for But they didn't realize the reason they didn't get it is because their heart was contaminated. And the very thing they were praying for anyway wasn't what he wanted them to have. See, a lot of times your prayers are a whole lot lower than what God really wants for you. 
is you're just praying for a job and God is, listen, he wants you to have a career. Come on now. So listen, my heart controls my believing. Everybody say, my heart controls my believing. Now watch Mark chapter 11, verse 23. It says, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt where a class in their heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Now I want you to notice that doubt is something that takes place in the heart as well. Do you see that? Okay, so you don't just believe in your heart. You can also doubt in your heart. Now, that's why, let's go back to Titus chapter 1 verse 15. Titus 1.15. That's why Titus 1.15 reads the way it does. Let's, let's reread it. It says, Unto the pure, all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled, watch this, and unbelieving is nothing pure. So that means now, the word defiled means tainted and contaminated. Everybody say tainted and contaminated. In other words, he's saying, if... If your heart is pure, everything's going to be pure. But if it's not, if it's defiled. Okay, so this is clean water. Can y'all see this bowl? All right. Is the water clean? It is. I would drink it, but I'm not. Now, I am about to do something to this water. I'm about to contaminate it. Can y'all see it turning colors? Is it clear now? Now, how many know I'm not going to drink that? You know why I'm not going to drink it? Because it's not clean. It's defiled. So this bowl represents our hearts right here. So he's saying, unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto those that are defiled, and watch this, unbelieving. So watch this. The purity of my heart, if it's not pure, it's going to hold and contain unbelief more than it is belief. The purer my heart, the more belief I have. The less pure my heart, the more unbelief I'm going to have. Now, who would rather have belief? Okay, so watch this. So the opposite of a pure heart is a defiled heart. So what are some of the things that keep our hearts from being pure? Let's just talk through this. And this is why we're doing communion at the end. Because, you know, when God is working on me on stuff, I work on y'all. That's how it works. He work on me, I work on y'all. So, so I've been having to work myself through some of this stuff. Uh, just through life. And there are things that keep our hearts from being pure. I'm going to name some of them, but I think some of them are on the... On the uh, they may put some things on the screen, I don't know. But uh, here's one that's just obvious. Known sins that a person regular practices. Now... How many know you shouldn't practice sin? How many know that? How many know? Anybody practicing? Let me see your hand. <laughs> Known sins. Those are things that can keep our hearts from being pure. Here's one. Past negative experiences. Uh, let's, let's say you, you, you were previously married. Okay? And uh, you haven't fully gotten over that person. And so everything that that person does, you are judging it 
with a negative attitude because your heart is dark. So let's say, for instance, they, they get fired from their job. And you're going, uh-huh. That's what they get. Probably was on Facebook too much at work. Uh-huh. They got fired. They probably was late every day because they always late picking up uh, Amanda. I have to use a name, Pastor Jay. Okay. So, but the reality of it is, maybe that person got fired because someone was being prejudiced against them. But see, if your heart ain't right, then you will judge something that ain't even there. Personal rejections, these are things that cloud our heart, personal rejections. And you know, a lot of times when, when, when we deal with personal rejection, when your heart is not clear, you will think that people are rejecting you for what you've been rejected of. When they're not rejecting you, you're self-rejecting yourself. Amen. Unforgiveness, that's a big one. Forgiving someone is not for them, it's for you. Here's another one. Unbridled anger. Let me just set the record straight. The scripture says, be you angry, but sin not. That means you do have the ability to get mad and not sin. Okay? So you say, well, how do I know if I sin? When you hit them. When you start cussing and calling names and start talking about their mama and, oh, you sinning bad. Somebody sinned this weekend. Let them go. Gossip and slandering others. How many know that will cloud your heart? I remember years ago when I was in college, you know, I made a decision. Hey, me and my friends, my buddies, we were going to live a pure life. So we was like, look. You ain't sleeping with nobody, and you ain't sleeping with nobody. So we was holding each other accountable, right? So we straight. I mean, like, straight. (laughs) Y'all know what I mean, right? Right. So we straight. But see, the girls that wanted us was like, oh, they gay. No, we weren't gay. We just didn't want you. (laughs) Right? How you gonna just make somebody gay? Just they just trying to get their life right. Listen, don't push somebody. Somebody tell you I'm just trying to get my life together. Leave them alone. No, because these days there's no such thing as I'm just getting my life right with God and people believe you. Listen, believe them. Here's another one: judging others. Here's another one. All the works of the flesh found in Galatians chapter 5. So I just mentioned those to give you an idea. Now, I really need you to pay attention to what I'm about to say. If, just look at your neighbor and say, if you go to napping, I'm going to go to slapping. Go on and tell them. If you go to, I will. Because I'm about to say something that can change your life right here. So our heart controls our believing. Didn't I prove that to you? Our hearts control our believing. But did you know that your believing, watch this now, controls your obedience to God? How many want to obey God? How many want to obey God? Yeah, but see, I discovered that 
My believing is what controls my, uh, my obedience. It's not my desire to obey that controls my obedience or not. It is actually my level of believing that controls my obedience. So that means a pure heart is a believing heart. A believing heart is an obedient heart. An obedient heart translates into a blessed life because blessings always follow obedience. So watch this. Let's go to Numbers 20. We almost, we're wrapping this up here. Numbers chapter 20. I want to show you that you can determine if you're really believing God or not by your level of obedience. Watch what it says here in Numbers chapter 20 verse 7. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take the rod. You and your brother Aaron gather the congregation together. And then he told him to do what to the rock class? Come on, class. What does it say? Speak to the rock, Moses, before their eyes. And that rock is going to yield its water. Thus shall you bring water for them out of the rock and give the drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. Verse 10. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly of the people together before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Sounds like Moses is upset, doesn't he? Hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted up his hand. And what did he do, class? He struck the rock how many times? twice with his rod. Now, I believe that once he hit it the first time, he would have realized, okay, God didn't tell me to do that anyway. Nothing came out. I would have been like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. No. He struck the rock how many times? Twice. Watch this. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Now, let me ask you a question. What did God tell Moses to do? Speak to the rock. Well, let's see what happened. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. Watch what he says. Because you did not believe me. He did not say because you did not obey me. He said, but because you did not believe me and reverence me in the eyes of all the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given. Notice that Moses' obedience was connected to him believing God. And the only reason you and I don't obey God is because we don't believe what he says. Hello? Watch this. The New, Living, the New King James Version is 2 Kings 17. I'm going to show you this example again. It says in verse 13, Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all of his prophets, even seers, saying... Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments. That sounds like obedience to me. And my statutes according to the law which I've commanded your fathers, which I've sent to you by my servants and the prophets. Verse 14. Nevertheless, they would not hear, but stiffened their necks like the necks of their fathers. Watch this. Who did not what class? Who did not believe in the Lord their God. So that means a pure heart is a believing heart. Everybody say a pure heart is a believing heart. And then say a believing heart is an obedient heart. 
An obedient heart translates into a blessed life. Because blessings always follow obedience. Amen. So now, listen, let's reiterate the second point that we're on. Here's here's the second point. Having a pure heart controls my believing. I just proved that. But what's the second part? But my believing defines my possibilities. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Watch what it says. This is Jesus speaking. He says, if you can do what, class? Mark 9, 23. They put it up there. I'm faster than them this morning. Do y'all have that verse? There we go. There we go. Y'all ready? Let's read it together. Jesus said unto him, if you can, if you can what? If you can what? If you can believe, keep reading, all things are possible to him that believe. That tells me that my believing, which takes place in my heart, controls my possibilities in life. Listen, the man is not the one that controls my possibilities. My job is not the one that controls my possibilities. The government is not the one that controls my possibilities. My ex-wife or my ex-husband is not the one that determines my possibilities. My believing can turn. That's what controls my possibilities in life. So my possibilities in life is directly connected to my ability to believe. But my believing is impacted by the purity of my heart. So how do we purify our hearts? Here's where I want to get today. Right here, right here, right here. Touch your neighbor and say, he's here, he's here. How do I purify? Because all of us have heart problems in some way. You know, I believe people have heart attacks a lot of times because they have heart problems. These heart problems are not all physical. How many notice that if you get very mad, your blood pressure goes up? Okay, so wait a minute. How can my emotion control my body? Easy. And so sometimes people are sick, but their ailments have nothing to do with, watch this, something physical. It started first with something personal. So watch this now. Watch this. How do we purify our hearts? Why don't I read the verse and then I'm going to do an illustration. Look in verse John 15. He says, John 15 verse 3. Now you are clean. There's that word pure. This is Jesus talking. He says you are clean. How class? Come on. Come on. Through what? Not through Facebook. He says, you are clean through the what? Through the word which I have spoken. Okay, here we go. 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 So this represents our hearts. Look pretty clean, right? This is how it was when we got born as a baby. But as we got older, things happened to us. I remember when I was in kindergarten or preschool, I've always been a handsome man. (laughs) Humble too, can't you tell? (laughs) And so uh, every day, at the end of the day, you know, we were outside for the parents to pick everybody up. And this, this teenager, you know, looking back, it was a teenager. He had a little sister and the mother would send him out to come get the sister. But he would want me to kiss his sister. But his sister was... Not my type. 
Heart got contaminated right there. So this is what happens to us in life. Our hearts get contaminated. We go through divorce. We go through issues. We get fired for no reason. And, uh, and what happens is, over time, our hearts look brown like this, this bowl here, right? Now, this represents our life. This bowl represents our life. So all these issues. But Jesus gave us the remedy. He says, you are clean, how? This bowl represents the word. So what Jesus wants us to do, I'm, I'm going to put some of this on the towel so see how stainy it Ooh, whoa. Ooh, that's, that's molestation and that's divorce. Let me put some more on here. This is, I was incarcerated for not even uh, something I did. So now, you know, you don't watch it. Your heart is not only contaminated, but now you're a victim. How did Jesus say we're clean? Through what? Through the what? So this is the word right here. So as you and I start getting in this word, what happens, that word will begin to clean our life up. And the next thing you know, what used to hurt me don't hurt me no more. So now when people come up to me and start talking about me, I'm not judging them based on what happened to me. I'm still looking at them and saying, Lord, like Jesus did on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. So next thing you know, my heart is back right with God. It's pure and I'm able to believe. And if my heart gets right, guess what? It's going to make my life gets right because now my life is clean because my heart is clean. Do y'all see that? Do y'all see that? So sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. I'm going to give you three things real quick that I want you to apply. First thing that keeps my heart pure is the word. Say the word. Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ has loved the church and he gave himself for it, that he, Jesus, might sanctify and cleanse it, cleanse the church with the washing of the water by the what class? So the word washes us, Acts 15 verse 8. It says, and God, which knows the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. Watch verse 9. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by what? By faith. So we purify our hearts by faith. You say, well, what is that by faith thing? Well, how does faith come? By hearing what? Okay, so listen, you and I, we cleanse, we cleanse our heart, we purify our hearts by faith. The only way it's going to happen by faith is if we stay in the Word. So the Word is what cleanses our heart. Here's number two, is our confession. My confession, 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to do what? Forgive us our sins, and what's the next? And to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Your confession 
keeps your heart pure before God. In other words, when you mess up, fess up. Look at your neighbor and say, if you mess up, fess up. God already know you did it anyway. Listen, if half of us just went before God before we did it, we wouldn't do it. If you go before God and say, God, I really want to slap Sally at my job. I want to slap her, God. I want to slap. In fact, God, I want to cuss her out up and down and all around. Lord, I really want to do that this morning. If you just confess, he will cleanse you from what? All unrighteousness. So our confession, the word, our confession, here's our last one, our obedience, my obedience. First Peter chapter 1 verse 22 says, seeing you have purified your what? souls in doing what? Obeying the truth through the Spirit. My obedience. And you say, well, Pastor, what's the soul? Your soul consists of your mind, your will, your thoughts, and how you feel. Everybody say, my mind, my will, my thoughts, and how I feel. That's my soul. You say, well, we're talking about the heart. Here's the thing. Your mind is the processing unit. Once your mind decides something, Now your heart, it tells your heart, believe that. This is why you have to renew your mind because whatever conclusion your mind comes to, your heart is going to believe. So he's saying we can purify our souls, our thinking, when we obey the truth. And then he says, through the Spirit unto unfamed love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a what kind of heart? A pure heart. So church, here's the thing. I believe this message is preparing us and preparing you for the great things that God has coming in your life. I don't care what kind of storm you're in right now. Listen, if I don't care what you're going through. I'm telling you there is a season of breakthrough coming. And God is trying to reposition some of you so he can bless you and he can, he can raise you up and he can cause you to soar. He wants you to be the head and not the tail, but, but he can't let you get up there and make a fool of yourself. Because if you make a fool out of yourself, you're going to make a fool out of him. And he leads us in righteousness for his name's sake. So we're going to take communion as a family. This is why I waited to the end because God, I believe, was surfacing some things in your life. Now, before we take communion, get your communion cups. Before we do that, we're going to do an altar call because there's some folks in here that may need to get saved. Okay? The only way your heart's going to get right, you got to give it to Jesus Christ. So with every head bowed, every head bowed, every eye closed, here's my question to you. If you die today, Are you 100% sure you go to heaven?